Who's got next? We got next. Got Welcome next. back to another episode of the Blacktop Podcast. We're two manning it today. But Ruben, bro, how was your holidays, bro? How you doing? It's good, man. We got some time to relax with the family. For sure. I mean, good basketball, for sure. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, Yeah, man, it was a good time just to recharge. I feel like these times are so busy. 100%. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, f- I feel like the 26th up to the 31st is, you know, I saw a tweet that said this is the time you should be doing absolutely nothing. But we're still we're still getting it in. So today we're going to be talking about, you know, just a few takeaways from the Christmas games as well as, man, Detroit Pistons. Sorry to all the Detroit fans. Down bad as hell right now. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that franchise as a whole, as well as uh, just to wrap up the year. Some of our favorite moments from uh, the 2023 calendar year. So that does bleed into a bit of last season as well as we're up to with this season, as well as uh, I know Christmas passed, but. You know, a little, a little NBA wish list, whether it's for our team or uh, for it's a New Year's resolution. New Year's Let's resolution. Yeah, I like that. That's better. I like that. But to get right into it, since it is a couple days past the Christmas games, man. I mean, yeah, I think it was. I don't know how you felt, but I felt like it went solid mid, solid mid, and then like super solid at the end there. I think like. We can definitely go eat game by game because I, I have a number of notes. I feel like the, the Christmas days, Christmas Day games for me are always a checkpoint on the season, mm, especially because yeah. you see a lot of the contending teams and that's when teams kind of start to make that playoff push. But yeah, I agree. I think it was definitely like, uh, for me, it was like mid, solid, mid, solid, like mid. Okay. Like that, that's definitely how I feel about like the, the, was the five games. So, I mean... There's some takeaways for sure for each one. I guess we'll just cover we'll, we'll cover all of them, but definitely Let, let's start with Christmas in the Garden. I, I mean, first of all, I don't think it really hey, gets look. much better than Christmas in the Garden. Can let's... we can we open up first? Can, okay. we, can I open up with what I said? All right, let's hear it. I apologize, Jalen Brunson. You are a bus driver. <laughs> yes, certified bus driver, baby. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, I will say, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, I think he's given us like. At least 35 for all three or four of the times they've played so far. But, you know, overall, that dude is, he, he's one of the ones for sure, undoubtedly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the caveat, like the caveat to what, you know, to that is, I do agree with Becky Hammond's point that having your small guard, you know, lead your team, I just don't think that can take you to the promised land, so to speak. Mm. I mean, I definitely think that he's a bus driver in terms of if you're looking at the top 15 players in the league, Jalen Brunson's certainly in that conversation. It pretty much has to be. I mean, he clearly elevates his game. He elevates other players. So it's just hard for me to see him as a bus driver. You know, maybe he could have, you know, the the backup bus driver, so to speak. You know, you know when you drive on TransLink or you drive on a school bus, there's always the there's other always guy the... like sitting on... Yeah, there's only the backup driver or the guy who takes over at other times. So it's maybe at a time when you're a little bit tired, you take over at the end. That's what a, that's a guy that Jalen Brunson and the Knicks need. But yeah, overall for the Knicks, man, I I think uh, it was a good win for them. I think Definitely. it was a much needed win for them to move up in the standings to continue to try winning ways. I think you liked what you saw from guys like R.J. Barrett who had really solid showings. Um, Emmanuel quickly made an impact off the bench. Um, and I'm sure you have a lot to say about the book side, but you know, I definitely have some 
some pieces to add to that. But I think uh, this was definitely one of the games for me that I was I was watching it and I was like, man, this is a little mid in terms of drama and action. Like, I don't know how you felt. I just felt like it was like there's lacking some sort of soul in the game. Yeah, I I will say, I think it was weird that the, they literally played the Bucks like a couple days ago before Christmas. So I yeah. think that kind of killed a lot of the 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 anim not necessarily animosity per se but a lot of the the drive towards like you know because if we're thinking about it prior to this game the last time these teams met up was in the play-in tournament where you yeah. know milwaukee spanked them and now we're going to this game where milwaukee won the last one and now you know maybe the knicks are coming with a little bit more fire but on the milwaukee side of things you know you're kind of thinking, you know, we've had this team's number for the past bit. I think it was the the Bucks had won the last seven or eight in the Garden, whatever the number was. And yeah. uh, I think just overall, the Bucks looked very lackadaisical coming out of the coming out of half, especially heading into the fourth, where I think they were down maybe thirteen or fourteen. And obviously, the big three showed showed a lot of fight. I think this whole last little bit stretch for the Bucks has been really impressive in terms of uh, Chris Middleton's really starting to finally wake up. I think, you know, the mm -hmm. game that ju they just played against Brooklyn, there were it looked like the classic Chris Middleton where he looks like Michael Jordan for a bit, you know. But I think on the other side of things, it, it's really just the other guys that will make or break this team. I think that's the the really big thing when you have a contending team that's not necessarily a surefire, but are within the are within closing range of being an NBA champion. It's, you know, are your big three going to show up for sure? But is is the man number four to eight or nine or however deep you run? Are they going to be able to, you know, not necessarily carry their weight but limit the mistakes? Is I think the big thing. And uh, when it comes to this Bucks supporting cast, there's been a lot of, you know, I, I think they're still working about a bit of the kinks. Definitely a lot to work on for sure. But you know. I, I think if there's one, if this is the one loss, considering this whole stretch they've been on, it's uh, nothing to yeah. be ashamed of. I think they're really starting to turn a corner for sure. Yeah, and like we we talked about this offline. I said there's really nothing to worry about with the Bucks because absolutely. I mean, Christmas Day the loss they were twenty and eight. They're second in the East. There's really nothing to talk about. I mean, of course, when you talk about introducing a whole new star player to Dame. And this is why I love Christmas time because like we've we have a full sample size now where we can talk about like the teams as they are constructed and their records kind of speak or reflect to what they have constructed so far. And I feel like like you said, the eight losses they've gone through so far are games where they just kind of fold in the end because mm. there's some teetering and like you're trying to understand and figure out who to go to at the end. I mean you have a new coach and your new system that you're trying to employ. Quite frankly, you don't have the same defensive personnel. And so again, that's a lot of experimentation on the floor. And from watching the Bucks the last few games, and and on Christmas Day when kind of lights are all shined, like you can see that in a game where they're kind of teetering, and and there's a part of their identity that's no longer there that it used to be. And like I wrote this down, and I want to get your thoughts because I think for me the biggest thing they need to address, um, at least from a team perspective, is like their personnel on the defensive end. And I saw rumors that P they were interested in acquiring PJ Tucker from the Clips just because. Hey, you know, bring, bring that house. boy home. I think it makes a lot of sense, but like I just want to right now currently they stand twentieth in defensive efficiency, and last year they were obviously the best team defensively. Mm -hmm. 
And I think you talk about like the back end of the defense, what they've had so long is you can rely on Giannis and Brooke being defensive player of the year candidates almost every season. Um, Chris Middleton, when he's not hurt, obviously he's a, a solid defender, but you lose at the point of attack, a guy like Drew Holiday, you take a massive step back on that end. Do you think it's because of the fact that like Dame is the point of attack defender now? Or, I mean, Malik Beasley to some degree. But, I mean, let's be honest, right? The opposing point guards, oftentimes, you'll put Dame on them. Do you think that a lot of the defensive hit has been because of the fact that Dame is there and there's no more Drew? Do you think it's as simple as that? Or is it like a systematic thing from you, from you in your eyes watching them almost every single game? Because from what I watched is it looks like, uh, how do I say this? Putting a square peg in a round hole? Is that, is that the saying? That's a, with Malik Beasley trying to guard the opposing yeah. player, right? Like, there's something about the system that doesn't look the same as it did last year either, from a defensive game plan. So I don't know. How do you feel? I mean, like, why, why do you think they've taken such a huge step back, even though they have most of the core pieces aside from Drew? Or do you think Drew is literally the biggest reason why? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Undoubtedly, when you look at like the past Milwaukee teams, when during this Giannis tenure. Uh, we've obviously had Drew Holiday the past few years, but even before that, you know, Eric Bledsoe, as much as he yeah. didn't show up on the offensive end, you know, he's going to compete on the defensive end of the floor. And, you know, I think that's really the big thing with this Milwaukee defense is they're not necessarily getting beat up from guys going into isolation, like complete, you know, tween tween and all that good stuff. But how they're really getting beat a lot of the time is that the point of attack defender gets lackadaisical. And then when Giannis and Brooker are trying to, you know, kind of play free safety and man up at the back line of defense. Uh, there are the point of attacks already getting beat and it's like a free, uh, free basket at the hole. And I think you really yeah. have seen that, especially uh, with Jalen Brunson, where it was literally free cookies whenever he wanted, whether it was, you know, to dribble to the mid range or getting to the cup, he could really get it however he wanted. And, you know, I, I think when it comes to it, getting a point of attack defenders definitely, the biggest thing to complete the defensive identity because your back line and everything is, I think, completely solid. You know, Giannis is obviously one of the best help defenders in the league. Brooke is one of the best, you know, rim protectors in the league. You pair that alongside, you know, Chris, who's not the same defender as before, but is mm -hmm. still pretty solid. Marjan Bochamp's another solid one. Andre Jackson Jr. is, you know, this sort of wild card on the team. You don't know if he's going to play big minutes, but. Uh, in the spurts he's been in when it comes to the defensive end, uh, you really see why they spent the spent one of their only draft picks on him. But, I mean, if you're able to get someone like a P.J. Tucker, I, I think you're looking at uh, just really, really shoring up the defense because, again, the back line isn't everything. I think is completely solid, but you just want somebody that's not going to stand there and get beat off this first move. You know, if you yeah. can have hold a guy to go to a second or third move, that's a lot better than getting cooked on that first one. And now all of a sudden the back line has to like react way quicker than they're used to with this Milwaukee defense. But, you know, I really want to give props to Adrian Griffin. Uh, since the Indiana Pacers game, you've really seen, I, I think there's just a bigger sense of urgency at times when it comes to this Milwaukee team. Uh, they're still not really beating up on like the, the bad teams per se, for example, with this recent Brooklyn victory that they had today, uh, Mikhail, they basically played their starters the first quarter. And then it was the rest of like these young, 
you know, they're the guys they drafted this year, you know, and Armani Brooks, the guys who you don't really envision being uh, the cream of the crop on an NBA team. But they show that, you know, every player in the NBA can can give you buckets if they really chose to. So I think when it comes down to it, getting a point of attack defender is definitely the biggest wish list on uh, for me when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks. But overall, uh, I don't think it's necessarily Dame's solely, but more so like a lack of effort from both him and Malik, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it, like even watching them as a team, when you when you played with Bud, like what what were they known for so well? Especially uh, in the two man game defensively it was, was drop coverage. It was locks. Yeah. Right, it was lock up and drop coverage because you would try to you know you were you were willing to take your chances in the drop coverage because you know and 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 close up the paint. And I did the one thing I didn't search up was um, opposing teams' field goal percentage in the paint. I almost want to say that it's probably worse this year. That teams are probably scoring a little bit better against the Bucks in the interior because yeah, I, I think. I, from what I've, sorry to cut you off real quick. I, yeah. I think at one point Brooklyn was leading us like twenty-two to eight in the paints in terms of scoring, but yeah, just throw that in there. Yeah, I mean it, that's yeah, and and that's the thing. It's I'm gonna quickly look at it. Opposing points in the paint. And the Bucks are currently giving up 53 points in the paint. And that ranks 22nd. And if I'm not mistaken, they were probably the top five last year. Yeah, they were first last year. Yeah, they've right? probably been uh, at least like sorry, top five for the first. past four or five years. They were not first. They were actually, in fact, 13th. So, I mean, they're still in the top half of the league. But that's a pretty big drop off from twenty second to thirteen. Like you're giving up almost fifteen points better in the paint, and so systemically, like they're clearly affected. Um, they're playing less drop coverage. Uh, you know, Adrian Griffin comes from you know a, a tree of Nick Nurse, where there's a lot more adjustments defensively from game to game, and almost from possession to possession, or quarter to quarter. So. It's a little bit different, and I think maybe that's why you see some teetering on the defensive end. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they have most of the core personnel. And so it's just interesting because, like, you, you, you look at the Bucks and you, they have mostly the same team. I just think they got better overall from a floor perspective. But then, you know, taking such a hit, and people are so worried about them. I think these are kind of minuscule things where, where at the end of the day, that we're talking about. This is still one of the best teams in the league, and I think – I'll be pretty confident that we'll see them in the Easter Conference final this, you know, this year. So, Hopefully. I mean, I, I mean, you never know with the play in now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, like again, they tighten up that defense. I think to some degree, or find some sort of identity. I think there's a lack of consistency in some sense too, and I think that's the biggest thing. Whether it's a point of attack defense or this their system, but like other than that, I don't think there's anything to worry about with the Bucks. For sure. Let's head on to uh, the next game where I don't know if we necessarily want to touch on the game itself, but more so yeah. the comments that came out of it with Steve Kerr basically saying Jokic is a foul merchant. And uh, I will say Steve, oh, man, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm going to say it. Steve Kerr is like a massive, massive hypocrite. And in addition to that, it's like, you we envision him and put him on this pedestal of being one of the best coaches in the league 
When in reality, you know, I'm not saying he's cheeks by any measure or any any standard, but when we look at his tenure as the Golden State Warriors coach, he was kind of like the guy that came in right at the end and still got to get an A. And now yeah. he's sort of this figurehead of this whole era uh, from a coaching perspective. But, I mean, I think it's just very... It's very... What's the opposite of being self-aware? He's, he's just very, I think, clueless to how... You know, respectfully, a lot of the times, all the things he's complaining about, you can apply to him as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it's just a matter of how it is where the refs have been very, very loose or very tight with the whistle when it comes to these superstar players. Joel Embiid, you know, Jokic, Trey Young, even Giannis to an extent. I, I think it's just a lot of the time where they're they're very quick to blow the whistle the second any like kind of jerk of the motion of the body comes about and you know sucks to that that's how it is but you know you you can't act like you haven't benefited from that as well i feel yeah i, I think i'll come out and say too to to add to that i don't think uh kerr has necessarily coached an amazing season so far yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like a his lot of questionable decisions on top yeah, of the fact a lot of it is just boiling over from that the fact that they're not blitzing everyone like they usually have been for like the past decade. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's it's we saw we saw the writing on the wall last year, mm -hmm. right, with this team, and like you know, not not to drop off so much from Kerr because I think yeah he's definitely said a lot in defense of his team. I think he's always just going to take up for his team, but there's certainly in many ways that you could say the same thing about the way he coaches his teams or the way his players play, the way they approach the game, and quite frankly, this whole Draymond Green situation. You know, we've heard him many times come out and say guys, um, you know, are making non basketball plays. Um, but you got a guy on your team who's who's made a career, quite frankly, of either being a great defensive player or punching people and doing, or you know, just kicking people in the nuts and all that kind of thing. Like, you know, he, and obviously he came on and said that you know that's the guy he has to be better. But at the end of the day, I agree with you with regards to Kerr overall as a team. Like, what what do you think about the Warriors currently? Because I find like just watching them, whether it's it's Kerr's questionable decisions with his young players, um, unwillingness to make hard decisions with his rotations, and you know obviously the loyalty to Draymond and Clay and those guys. For me, like watching them, uh, after last year, it for me I knew right away last year was when they needed to make a change whether it's to their starting lineup maybe it's to their core their personnel or just like their overall lineups or the way that they play their style of play i know that curry demands so much gravity from an offensive perspective but draymond's not the same player he was and clay also doesn't demand the same defensive attention that he used to so how do you like how do you ensure that this system could still be efficient and proficient when those guys were so built around what Curry did. Like Curry, we knew what Curry was going to do. We knew what Clay was going to do. We knew what Draymond was going to do. 
And then, you know, you go down the line. We know what Bogut was going to do. We knew what Sean Livingston was going to do. We knew what what um, like Kevin Durant was going to do, et cetera, et cetera. And that core is no longer the same. Like, there's been a clear drop-off. Like, we talked about a last pod. Like, Draymond's a negative, you know, just in general since he's been on the floor. And, like, the one... I want to give you, like, a quick tidbit because I, I, I noted this down, too. Um, in the In the Christmas Day game... Wiggins was plus 18, CP3 is plus 13, and Sarge was plus 11 in that game. Uh, Clay was a net negative. Um, so, and all year long, those three guys have been positives. Pods, is, uh, Pods like their rookie, has been their only net uh, positive player in their starting lineup. I like Pods. Pods is one of the yeah. Guys, yeah. And and for me, like I make these notes because is at this point, G- DJ, do you think that it's time to make a legitimate change to the starting lineup? Whether it's Clay coming off the bench, or you know starting Moses Moody, you know starting Kamingo more consistently, and then utilizing him throughout a game and not benching him at stupid points because then then we just talk about how, or like didn't he just talk about how he just got off and he had no clue why he got benched for the rest of the game kind of thing? So. I mean, I'm sure you agree, but, like, to your perspective, do you think that it's time to make a significant change? Because I personally think it is. Like, the writing was on the wall last year, too. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, we take a look at these past few games, and outside of uh, the Nuggets' loss, they've been playing, like, you know, some subpar, decent ball. I don't Definitely not to the standards of the Warriors, but yeah, you look at a guy like Kaminga, what he's been able to do with his minutes, you know, you know, Pods is, he's not a white guy in the NBA. Pods is a white boy in the NBA, you know what I'm saying? And then Moses Moody obviously gives them good minutes. And I I think, like, when it comes down to it, the big thing that they're going to have to do is probably trade Wiggins because, you know, it is probably the least smart thing to do in terms of, you know, extending the timeline. But... Mm-hmm. I think Clay and Draymond are they're not imp- as important as Curry from a personnel perspective but from a culture perspective from a legacy perspective there you know without without them there is no staff there is no the chef so I I think you know it's tough because Wiggins is at an all-time low market wise but I I think you got to go out there see what you can do you know, if you could pull together Wiggins with like either Moses or Kuminga, that would probably yield a decent return. But I, I think it's just they need to get away from this whole idea of trying to have like a a rather large crop of young guys because we think about it, Pods, Moody, Kuminga, Jackson Davis. Uh, even like he's good too hey he's ja- good too tjd he's definitely solid he he's damn near untouchable with the way he's playing yeah, right now he's very good but you think about it, that's four guys who play like solid minutes who are all under 25 so i i think getting that number down to like even down to three is better than than having having you depend on a young guy because we know that the warrior system for the most part it's like a two three year process to where you're fully understanding and fully in tune with it. Uh, but if you insert a veteran player, which is something that they've relied on a lot, you know, you mentioned Sean Livingston, 
you know, I think of a most Bates, uh, David West, uh, yeah. uh, Andrew Bogan, like you mentioned as well. Those are guys that, you know, they Barbosa. might. Oh, yes, sir. How can I forget? Leandro Barbosa. You know, these are guys that have like some real, real skin in the league. And it's tough when you got a guy that's coming out of college to really, you know, mesh instantly. So I, I think it's really just. It's almost like you want to go the opposite of youth. You want to age this roster up a bit. And it's tough when you look at what's out there. Like for me off the top of my head, if you know, the idea of Vooch is enticing to me, but in terms of like actual realisticness, probably not on that level. But I just think they need to they need to get some more more adults in that locker room, I feel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, that also depends on what direction you want to take it. Do you ultimately want to say invest in the young guys and allow these guys to learn and play with Steph? Uh, there's obviously a crop that'll be like, well, that doesn't line up with Steph's timeline. You need to invest in it now. And this is the best time because, again, like you just said, yeah, the crop of young players, you can flip those guys for great players. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, elevate your floor and, and potentially trying to win again. Um, so you can go one of two ways and I don't think they've blown competition out of the floor. I mean, they're, what are they right now? 15 and 14, 15 and 15. Did they play. Yeah. Today? I think they're 500 and uh, they're 10th. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So they are. Yeah. They're 10th and <laughs> 500. I mean, DJ, that to me speaks average. So mm-hmm. if they're trying to win, they got to make a move or they can fall down the standings completely and invest in the young guys or you could try investing in the young guys and maybe you might actually win i just don't think they've picked a direction necessarily yeah i i think there's there's too much teething but yeah i think that's a good thing when you bring in when you bring in a new guy with mike dunleavy it's junior right because senior is like old old yeah mike dunleavy jr he's been a part of that franchise for a while so it's not like a completely new like new fresh face but uh, when you look at like any general manager that wants to sort of put their stamp on a roster, I think that's definitely a big thing to consider. So I, I think if there's a team that's probably going to be the most active, uh, be it the trade deadline or even now until then, they're definitely at that top of the list. Uh, I mean, Pascal out of there would be, uh, man, that would be amazing for sure. Yeah. Undoubtedly. All right, let's shift over to uh, LA and Boston because, man, it was, it was like, it was teetering towards mid. And then Anthony Davis decided to play. Anthony, other game, Davis decided to show up. But overall, I think I agree with your face. It, it was a whole lot of mid. Because, I mean, <laughs> let, let, let's, yeah, let, let's face it here. The Boston <laughs> Celtics are undoubtedly the best team in the league right now. Like, yes. Nobody's, yes. nobody's touching that five. Yes. And agreed. even, like, if we go back. Like, I don't remember how long it's been since you've seen a starting five that's this balanced, this defensively, you know, uh, this defensively, like, adept, this offensively adept. Just, yeah, there, there's yeah. really no holes in this in this starting five. And, you know, when you think about it, everyone on that starting five has the potential to shoot at least 35% from three, you know, 70% plus from the free throw line. It, uh, man, I, I mean, I've never seen 
like uh, yeah flat out i don't think i've ever seen a starting five as like as amazing as this and that's even uh, including like the the stefan the stefan kd warriors in my KD, opinion. yeah i think in terms of efficiency your offensive versatility defensive versatility like you took the words out of my mouth like i was literally gonna say i didn't learn anything you and they are by far the best team in the league yeah they're they're inevitable um, like it's they're inevitable that's crazy they're inevitable that's, yeah that's true though um tim legler said it. it was like they can they can beat you from the iso they can post you up they can play a uh, small ball they can play uh big they can obviously play team brand of basketball they can run the floor they can slow you down and they have so many defensive options that can throw if you're if you're playing a heliocentric offense if you're needing to switch against shooters Man, they do everything so well. I mean, Tatum isn't having necessarily the season that you look at and you're like, you know, that's an MVP caliber season. I think to some degree he still is. Mm. But he doesn't have to because I would go on a limb and say you have five all-stars in that starting lineup. Oh, for sure. I I think the only one that's like, well, even Derek White's getting a crazy amount of love, which is well-warranted. Drew's yeah. kind of on the outside looking in, but that's not because he's like yes. playing bad. It's because there's literally only one basketball. That's exactly, and that's exactly what like Drew is the perfect match for this team because he doesn't need to be your second or third offensive option like he was in Milwaukee. You know, he doesn't necessarily need to guard the best player every night because mm-hmm. Derek White is a defensive juggernaut. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can hold their own, and in the back line of defense, you have KP, who has been phenomenal, and I think will should get some love for defensive player of the year. Um, even though he's been injured, I know that he that's gonna be against his case if he can hit that sixty five games this season. But I mean, we don't. I don't learn anything new. Isn't it crazy too? I, I just gonna say they are eleventh in three point makes, and they're first in three point attempts. Like the efficiency is just. Like for this yeah. evolution of basketball, like that is that is awesome. They are so good. Um, Lakers, on the other hand, Jesus, isn't it worrisome though that like when LeBron has a stinker, that your team looks Just like they have no life? Anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I think it's just a mix of they kind of took their foot off the pedal since the play-in turn since the in-season tournament and and now they're just kind of you know it's funny i I don't remember what podcast i heard it from but it might have been oh i think it was a gills arena maybe where he was saying like everybody sort of lost their groove because they know somebody's getting traded i don't know if that's any validity to it that would make sense but oh man yeah the lakers they were they were really good to start the season but now it's just like it, it's sort of back to where they were last Christmas, where the team just is sort of lacking in any identity. I, I think you're yeah. you're still very LeBron reliant. You still got an Anthony Davis who lacks the consistency, and you know, even Austin Reeves has sort of lost a bit of his pizzazz. And it, it, it's just a uh, man. They they just have all the personnel to be really good. But they're they're just not doing it right now. It's hard. I feel like a lot of it's because there's not someone on the team that can 
take the reins from LeBron every single night. And that was supposed to be Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's either got the... You know, what's that? What's that funny meme saying? It's like I do not have the capacity or the facilities. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. you know. That's how I feel about AD on this team. Is I don't think he has the facilities to just be your outright number one guy, unless you know you surround him against other really solid playmakers. But you know, Austin Reeves is a shot creator. You know, you would think D'Lo's that kind of guy, but. Again, he's a guy that defers to LeBron, and and to some degree, when you have LeBron on your team, almost everywhere you've seen is it's quite frankly a heliocentric offense to some For degree. Sure. I, I think the Lakers. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, yeah, they just have a lot of home run hitters. If that makes any sense, yes, agreed. they have a lot of guys that they're either going to give you thirty or they're going to give you seven. You know, to look <laughs> at to look at the draft in particular, I I saw recently. Man, can you imagine if they put if they got Jalen or if they got a uh, Jaime Hawkins instead of Jalen Hood Shafino? That Ooh. would be oh man, that's uh, that, that's we're gonna talk about him, but he's real. Oh yeah, Hi- Matt, I've been a fan of Jaime since uh, when him and Juzang made that like Final Four run like a few years ago. Yeah, and I thought he was gonna come out the draft after that, and now we look at like. Because I remember the whole draft boards, like, heading into the draft, he was, like, slated to be a second-round pick. And that's mainly because, you know, four-year college guy. Everybody's kind of afraid of that. But, man, yeah, that dude's a dog. But, yeah, Yeah. I I think there's just a lack of, like, minimal mistake players on this team with the Lakers. And, you know, that's something they're going to have to figure out because – you you need somebody or multiple guys to really you know give lebron something because lebron i think they're also trying to like coast almost it feels like that but the only guy that can coast in the in the regular season i feel is lebron mm-hmm. so yeah 100% uh, it, it's it's just a lack of lack of consistency overall i think yeah yeah, I yeah. There's not much to say other than that. I mean, there's not another guy that you can give the ball to and actually rely on him to mm-hmm. take you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Lakers can have all the pieces they want and all the nice names, but you know, if someone can't, if someone can't carry carry their weight on that team, especially with LeBron at his age, tough to see them winning anything this season. Definitely. I think we're gonna be like you said, same situation. Yeah, I I feel like we could skip the the Miami and Philly game just because like, yeah, you know, we already yeah. kind of touched on it. But man, Lu- Luca and Devin Booker, that's just that that that's fireworks, bro. That's just just dude, that is fireworks. I love the fact that we're gonna get this for a number of years. Oh man, this because they hate each other. Hey, they really don't yeah. like each other. I think it's like a it's a mutual respect thing. Like it's almost like a modern day Kobe and T Mac. To where mm. they're just two guys that are like so supremely better than everybody on the court. And because of that, it's sort of alpha on alpha and they're just going at each other. But granted, yeah. you know, Luca's got two kids. No saying. <laughs> <laughs> Freak, man. Luca is special, dude. Like, oh my gosh. He, the thing that sucks though is like. They're too good to be to to get like the kind of talent that you need around Luca. And they're they're too, 
yeah, it, it's just that when it really comes down to it. Granted, you know, Derek Lively looks like to be a massive hit. That's a guy yeah. you could see being around Luka for his entire career. Uh, sucks about Kyrie. But, I mean, when they were all playing together, they were, what, like the number one offense in the league? Something like that yeah. along those lines? So, you know, I, I do think they're not a team that can really do, can reach the pinnacle. But they're for sure a tough out, no doubt. Yeah. They're certainly going to compete. They're 18 and 12 right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Lively is the perfect fit for Luca. I mean, T- I Tim Hardaway like Jr. is a, like a six man of the year candidate. Yes. Yeah. He's playing really well after he had very shaky season with mm-hmm. injuries last year. I mean, we, we t- you and I have had really long conversations about helicentric offense offenses, but it works when you have the, when the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, this roster fits, which is why they're, you know, six games above 500. They're sitting fifth in the West right now, which is pretty good granted considering how freaking tough the West is right now. Definitely. Right. Like, I mean, up until the 10th seed or the 11th seed, sorry, because Golden State actually sitting in 11th. Everybody from 1 to 11 is a 500 or above team, which is insane. You talk about like that, how stacked that, that conference is. But I mean, the pieces fit so well. And the thing about Luca at, at the guard is because he has so much size, he finds so much success against, you know, opposing perimeter players. I mean, like, like I believe they ran a lineup where they had, I wrote it down Hardy, Luca, Exum, Derek Jones and grant williams they could run a small ball because you know you have a guy like luca who's controlling the pace of the game who has a size can see above the defense and these guys are all fairly solid defenders and in terms of length and their athleticism that they can cover a lot of ground it reminds me a lot of the 2017 18 rockets to some degree because there's a lot of shooting there's some good defensive personnel you know, I mean, Capella, Grant Derek Williams Lively, Tucker's son, you know? Well, yeah, but I mean, that brother, that, <laughs> there, there is some there is some right there, right? Like, so the the pieces fit. And when Kyrie comes back, I think that that takes them to another level, obviously. So we'll see how they continue to go, man. Uh, I love Dallas. I love watching them. I, I wish I made the made the prediction this year that I made last year. <laughs> Were you, you were one year late, and now it's almost was, like you're like one year early. No, now. I was one year early. Oh, oh yeah, I was one year late and one year early because yeah. last year I said they're gonna come back, and I said, and then last year obviously they didn't. So clearly, I just chose the wrong timeline. Hey, uh, that five hundred thousand dollar fine was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, bro. Definitely. Uh, I mean. Is there we already really kind of harped on Phoenix, you know. I, I think if there's anything for my uh for my New Year's resolution, I just want to see health from them. Yeah. Cause I mean, fully healthy, this is a good roster, no doubt. Like, yeah, you look at like the fact that's a whole bunch of mi- like minimum contract guys, but you know, when you got Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. You don't really need a lot of much else. You need something, but you don't need nothing crazy. And Yusuf Nurkic is kind of getting back to that, you know, top 10, borderline even maybe pushing seven-ish type of center. You know, he's had a solid season. And, you know, I I think it's almost as much as we want to say we know what these teams are going to look like, they're the one that I look at where you really don't know 
what anything's gonna look like with them. They're they're the big wild card yeah. right now. Yeah, they are a wild card. Yeah. I think they just lack a I, the biggest thing I think they lack is a table setter. Like they just need some stuff. I mean, we talked about TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell would like be that. absolutely amazing on this team, man. Yeah, I think I think they just need somebody there to set the table because I think Booker is so much better coming off action versus him starting it. Um, because to a degree, he will always be a score first player. So I think in terms of his floor game, I just don't think it's there versus a natural point guard or versus mm-hmm. somebody who's naturally in a position to pass first. Um, which I think you can see on this team because I feel like they play hot potato with the ball sometimes. Yeah, like I, I feel like Booker is being rushed too within his offense, which exactly. is I, I think exactly why you're saying he's better off the ball because it's kind of like yeah. if he's coming off the top of the key, that's maybe what you got 18 seconds, 16 seconds to work with. He goes into a shot pretty quickly a lot of the time versus like when you have a Chris Paul, you're able to really get like the best shot possible. So, I mean, they were first in the West at one point with that, with Chris Paul and Booker, McCall, and they were also, I mean, we could talk about like the decision, you know, and go back and, you know, hindsight. But again, I think they just need a table setter. Devin, I think Booker is much better coming off of action. I mean that that that's where he becomes an actual offensive option as opposed mm-hmm. to starting it, and I think you'd limit Booker in that case as well because, you know, he's starting from an upwards position versus putting the defense in scramble mode when he's coming off pin downs. So strategically, I think they can figure out a better way to get him involved in terms of the offense. I mean, he's still doing his thing. It's it's Devin Booker, you know, and and it's not really concerning. But I mean, long term, you need somebody to set the table with those three guys. So, for sure. Figure it out, Phoenix, man. Undoubtedly. Heading from one uh, Phoenix, let's talk about a former, well, a former Phoenix person and overall his team and, man, the Detroit Pistons. 26 games in a row. Always lost. And, I mean, when you look at it, I've seen the the side-by-sides of them versus the Bobcats, them versus the Trust the Process, the Sixers, and man, it just makes no sense. Like when you look at it on paper, but when you really look into it, it's kind of hard to win games when you're fouling the most in games and you're 29th in turnovers. And man, it's just, I don't, let, let's start here. Let's start with Monty Williams. Cause you know, one thing I've noticed is that in his prior stops, there's always a bus driver that's specifically about to go into their prime slash like the team has good vets. When you look at, you know, Charlotte, this is Chris Paul, who was a four-time all-star by then. Plus you got a guy like David West, who's David West. David West is a dog. And when you look at Phoenix, you have Devin Booker, who was coming off of 26 a game. Granted, a lot of that's because nobody else could score the ball on that team, but you know, a budding superstar. And then you also have the addition of, you know, Chris Paul, Versus now, it's like, Cade is a guy that he has all the qualities of a bus driver, but, you know, he hasn't really earned, like, the cap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you look at the vets on this team, it's Alec Burks, uh, Joe Harris, and Boyan Bogdanovich. Those are the only guys with anything over six years of experience Mm. on this team. So, I mean, they clearly lack that. Um, 
I also think it's one of those situations where there's way too many hands in the pot. Like, so many young guys who need a time to shine. Hmm. And, like, can we also talk about the fact that Jaden Ivey has been, like, in the doghouse? Man, he's been, he's, I feel like he's kind of in the scapegoat, too. Like, like how he's barely been able to play. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, you know, I think if they played him more, I think you would think of develop that backcourt i mean the fact killing hayes has resurged a little bit but that's that's better. i i feel like a lot of that's just because he's getting actual pt and not necessarily because like he's developed into a surefire player because yeah. like i feel like next free agency someone's gonna give him like 40 50 m's and he's gonna go back to being cheeks <laughs> <laughs> who knows man he might well like again I think it's the Malachi Flynn situation. I think that's the Malachi Flynn syndrome where it's like a guy who gets bagged on, you give him a few minutes, then he looks like an NBA player. Yeah, I remember top you of know? the year, Malachi looked like he could, like he might like <laughs> reinvigorate himself. Oh my God. But like, that's what I look at in this team is you can have so many young prospects and you can build around those and give them time to develop. But at some point, like I think similar to what you said about the Warriors, like pull back on that pool a little bit and like invest in specific guys like Jalen Duran, like when he's back, Cade Cunningham, clearly Osar Thompson, like, you know, he needs a free clear way for him to be who he's going to be. Right. And and you're talking about splitting those guys' times with, you know, the Wiseman's of the world, the Killian Hayes's of the world, you know, Jaden Ivy and, and Isaiah Stewart. And then, you know, to some degree, Bagley and then Bogdanovich, he has to play when he's back because, quite frankly, I'd say he's your, your most consistent player, For sure. you know, when he's on the floor. um, So I think, and obviously you're playing Burks. So it's just really thinking about pulling back, really focusing and investing on the core that you need and turning some of these guys into some veteran players, some better players. I mean, we saw the rumors that they're looking for a forward. They're looking at OG, Tobias Harris, Pascal Siakam, potentially, you know, acquiring those guys because, yeah, you got to, you got to, some of this, some of these prospects in draft capital has to go somewhere. Yeah. You can only really draft prospects so much before you got to like really, you know, provide some results. Yeah. Uh, the big one there I'm thinking, I think is OG. Because we've seen for so long that OG's yearning for a bigger role. And when you look at this team, I, I think he could slot perfectly into being, you know, a Chris Middleton type guy. You know, he could he could develop into, well, you know, he's 20, he's 26, right? Uh, OG? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's 26 or 27. Mm. I think there's still a little bit of time for him to, like, show his chops. But I, I think Absolutely. when you, if you were to put him on this team... Oh. 26, sorry, 26. 26? Right. Yeah, that could be yeah. that could be some scary business for sure. Oh. I think he aligns perfectly with their timeline because when he's in his prime, you're talking about Kate being you know, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. OG's about 30, so I think it aligns. I mean, if that happens, man, give me Jaden Ivy. Give me Jaden Ivy all day every day. <laughs> was, give me Jaden Ivy. That's a, that's that, that's a pretty fair trade if I you say so. I will give it. I will, when we discuss it in our wish list, I will give you the breakdown of what I saw that I think is actually a really good trade for both teams. Okay, a little so, teaser for later. Yes, sir. Respect, but yeah, it, oh man, it's it's just hard to suck this bad when there's like 
Because if you look at the Bobcats, that was a shitty team. That was a trash-ass team. Clip that. Clip well, that. Uh, man, bro. when you look at the Trust the Process Sixers, that was a shitty yeah, oh, team. That was a terrible team. Who's the best player on that team that year? Jared Bayless? Oh, bro. That was might he on even... that team? Oh, I think he was, but... Yo, you know who you know who might have been cooking on that team? Jalil Okafor, bro. Oh I, yeah, I that, that might have been the year. Cause, oh, oh. My God. yeah, bro. He all <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Oh my God. So this was Spencer Jalil Hayes. Okafor's season or rookie season. Guess how much he averaged. His rookie year, did he have yeah. like eighteen and eleven or something like that? Eighteen and seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jalil Okafor, one of the greatest. Oh my goodness. Who else did they have on that team, man? They had oh yeah, they had Christian Wood. They had TLC. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. Luau Cabarro has got to be like that's a top ten NBA name, man. Yeah, hundred percent, yo. Oh, but I mean, God. you compare that to when you when. When you have a guy like Cade Cunningham, who's surefire, like he's going to be a guy in the league, whether it's as a Robin or as a Batman, he's going to be like a like a top tier level guy. Yeah. You know, Asar Thompson, you don't have as many like tr- like double doubles, as many stocks, you know, be in contention at the beginning of the year for an all defensive team if you're not going to be a solid player in the league. You don't have a guy like Jalen Duran who was like putting up 20 and 10 like it was nothing. You know, getting yeah. the comparisons to, you know, young Dwight Howard. Granted, those were a little those were a little uh out of left field because Dwight Howard was a he was a boy amongst men and he was being better than the men when he first came into the league. But there's just like there's a there's a there's a surefire core here and it's not really being developed properly. So I feel like it's like an anomaly. Like for all we know, I wouldn't be. You know what? Fuck it. I'm. I'm gonna put it on here. Next year, I think they're gonna be decent, if, especially if they get like an OG Ananobi. If they, you know, figure out their rotation, have a clear direction, and have more surefire veteran presence, they can be. They can have a jump similar to what maybe slightly below what. No, fuck it. They're gonna have a jump similar to what Orlando's doing this year. If they can like really hone in on That's that rotation, that has to be that will probably be of all time the greatest turnaround from season to season of all time. That I mean, when you be. when you look at it, if they were to go I, from I was gonna... and like losing a record amount of games to, hey man, fuck it, I'll I'll, I'll put my skin, I'll put my neck out for it. All right, all right, I like that hot all take. Right. Keep, Clip keep, that. Keep, Clip that. That. keep that. Keep that. The next season. For next right. season, the Detroit Pistons will be a top six team Damn. in terms of being ass. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he had y'all bamboozled. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I think I, I think though, you can't get you can't get much lower than this. That's yeah. You can't get much lower than yeah. That's true. I mean, it could be worse. It could be. It could be worse. That's the thing. True. It can't you, be. you could have lost those two other games and just be zero and twenty-eight. Oh my god! This team would be absolutely cooked, man. Mm-hmm. No doubt. All right, winding down to the last bit of the podcast. Let's talk about 
you know, some of our favorite moments from 2023. Ruffle some of them off. Ruben, let's hear it. Uh, I think Jamal Murray winning one. Oh, yeah. That's big. Just Canada. I think that, that was big. I think. Oh, he was one of. Yeah, no, never. What am I saying? He's like. Ah, Wiggins last year, but Jamal Murray, I think, in addition to like yeah. the whole recovery story. Now that we're going to see him and Shea kick the U.S.'s ass this summer. Oh, man. Yeah, I like that one. Speaking of that, Team Canada's bronze medal is definitely. Mm. Uh, oh, I didn't. I forgot about like international play. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. I, I knew that like we were going to discuss NBA stuff, but I just had to have that in there because. I mean, for a country that, that that was great to see. I mean, LeBron scoring. In Jordy, record, we trust. In Jordy, in Jordy we, trust. we trust. The Raptors should have hired him too. Mm. Anyways, um, yeah, LeBron scoring record. I think that was cool to see for sure. I mean, um, Kings being relevant again. Ooh. I think it's just awesome seeing Sacramento was a good team, and I love Fox, and I love Sabonis, and I love everything that they've built over there. I'm a big fan of Mike Brown. Um. Dame finally leaving Portland. I think that was like one of those things where it's like, oh god damn, bro! Like finally, like the boy cried wolf kind of thing. Bro, that was like, yeah. did you do you know how when two K twenty four came out, he hadn't been traded yet? Like, yeah, they, they and they still, had the voice note. They had all the commentary that like he was, and then it was like actually on the Heat too. Like yeah. it was like, oh, when he joined the Miami Heat, and then oh, that was also great too. The Miami Heat fans not getting Dame Lillard. I think that was pretty great too. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, overall a solid year for basketball. Notice that I didn't have any Raptor fave moments. I think one of my fave Raptor moments last year was, um, yeah, none. So you, you, you might that. have some to look forward to in 2024, man. I hope so. I mean, I, I already have one. It's Scotty, Scotty being real. Yeah. I think Scotty got to be an all-star this year at this point. Oh yeah. Scotty too hot, man. All right. Scotty too hot. For me, first one I got is the Dame seventy piece because that was yeah. that was one where it's like it's within regulation, and it wasn't necessarily like he forced it because I I think uh, if I remember correctly he didn't play like a lot of like the end of that game maybe something along those lines. Yeah, I could they be were wrong. Up by a lot. Yeah, but that because you know in my opinion the Donovan Mitchell one little bit fraudulent when you consider that he left before the ball hit the rim but you yeah. know it's in there as 70 so i ain't gonna say anything after that another one for me this is more personal but seeing dame live because man uh yeah that's cool the half court bombs are so much more impressive when you're seeing it like in person how far it is yeah. and actually how far, like, yeah oh my goodness and, you know, I, I look at that as maybe I'm a good luck charm. You know, I saw Dame live. I saw him play against the Bucks. What happened next? You know, I might have to go in and tune in next time the Lakers are in town. Who knows? But uh, last one, or not last one. For me, next one, I think it's just the, the play and validation is how I would word it. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I you would have thought that at some point a team would have made the finals coming from the play-in. But I don't think anybody ever expected to be this soon. And for it to be the Miami Heat is uh, very on-brand for sure. On-brand for sure. <laughs> that, that's not even heat a culture, baby. No, no, yeah. Heat culture, man. Heat it's, culture, it, man. Like, and Jimmy, I think it speaks a lot to Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Jimmy and Bam, like those guys. Mm -hmm. Jimmy just 
He gets it done, man. That dude is a freaking winner. He may not have one chip yet, but like, come on, you can't say that he's not a winner. Would you say Jimmy's a Hall of Famer? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 A million times. Yes. Absolutely. Jimmy's Jimmy's a dog. Man, he's greatness personified without all of the accolades. Before Jokic, he he might have been like the biggest deal of all time. Yeah, actually, you think about it draft wise. Yeah, like you maybe you got Manu as well, but like I think in terms of like what they did personally, because Manu's great, but when you look at the personal accolades, he gets brought down a little bit. But when it comes to being, you know, a top ten, top five player at time, man, Jimmy's. Well, he's a bus driver, right? Like oh, yeah. Manu was never a bus driver. Oh yeah, so to speak. So I think yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And the last one for me, I, I I'll, I'll say it as like new media, and I and I mean that in the space of yeah. like seeing a lot of these, because you know, you had all the smoke for these past few years, knuckleheads, but now we're getting, man, KG. If there's one player that I would pay money to see like their uh, their mic'd up situations. Bro, It'd I would I would pay good money to hear KG, yeah. and the way he talks, like with P, it's like yeah, it's it doesn't feel like it'd be very different from the way he talks on his podcast. And you know, I I think just overall, a lot of like these former players are, you know, lending their voice towards uh, not only just giving us viewers and us listeners an insider perspective of what the league is like, but as well as like giving you little little tidbits here and there. You know, Gilbert Arenas, as much as like a lot of things he says feels outlandish, I could believe Questionable. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe I could believe that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. His stories are insane. I mean, like he, Jeff Teague's podcast. Oh, oh my bro. God. Yes. One of the funniest ever. One of the funniest oh ever. Je- Jeff Teague. Okay. Real quick. Ta-da! Top, <laughs> top, top three NBA storytellers based off the podcast. Okay. Iman Shumpert. Oh, yeah. Shump's a good one. Jeff Teague, for sure. Mm-hmm. This one's hard. Yeah, there's, there's way too many good ones. I'm... Uh, before he passed, I'll say... Uh, um, what do you call it? What what do you call that again? Uh, not extra nomination. What am I talking about? Uh, uh, uh. What is that? What is that phrase that you used to say? Like, um, special nomination? No, no, not not that. God, I'm blanking right now. It's like, Ooh. you know what I'm trying to say, though, right? Kinda. I... It's like that. It's like it's like not in the top three, but like here's a special oh, consideration. What do you call oh, that? Uh, honorable mention. Honorable, geez, uh, honorable mention. Shout out Drake Espy's honorable mention. Um, <laughs> Kobe. Kobe was a great storyteller. Mm. Kobe was an awesome storyteller. But man, who would be the third? I mean, I have Shump and Jeff Teague right now. But who would be the third? KG. KG's right up there. Oh yeah, of man. For me, I think it's KG. Uh, Jeff Teague. And then my last one, just to not match. Oh man! Whenever I hear GP, he 
Oh yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like any of like the big shit talkers are are all yeah. Really GP good was a great. Who else? Uh, Reggie Miller was a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the like the remember the old like open court. That's what the podcast they used to have with all the oldies. Oh yeah, that one was a good one. I mean, Shaq was a really good storyteller too when it came to his career. And, like Chuck other players too, he like, played with, and and I oh, think yeah. that's all just giving like validity to like this whole favorite moment thing where we're really starting to go away from like the old white guys who went to journalism school for and have been doing it for 30 plus years which there's still a space for them for sure but i think when it comes down to it especially with social media we love being as close as possible as much you know in the world as we can be and these like former player podcast former players being in media is I think the closest thing that a lot of us can ever get to that. So I, I think just, yeah, just the overall new media, uh, being able to get an insider perspective has all been really dope for sure. Yeah. Agreed. New media is here. Mm-hmm. Blacktop podcast coming in hot. Yes, sir. And already to end it off here, last bit of the podcast, our NBA New Year's resolution. You know, all since you already teased yours, I'll go first. For me, you know, for the Bucks specifically, I just want them to find balance because I think there's still a little mix of, like you said, Ruben, you don't know who the ball is going to go to and you end up kind of selling for a bad shot. Aside from that, number one, Alex Caruso, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I need him some. Him either Alex Caruso, PJ Tucker, if you could get both, I could die a happy man. But. Yeah, just just getting some kind of point of attack defender, some guy that's able to really like allow Brook and Giannis to to be more more sound and not have to worry about be like getting beat off of the first move, like I mentioned earlier. And then the big thing as well, I think, is just health. You know, that's something that we're always gonna wish for. I mean, not seeing Joel play on Christmas was a really big bummer, especially considering the tear he's been on recently. You know. Uh, just a lot of like the injuries you know Bradley Beal as much as like we clown the Suns I really want to see what that that big three really looks like when they're fully operational because you know I think it could be special for sure but all right moving on to you bro I like that it's crazy that KD can't have a healthy big three hey no matter where he goes but uh okay so I would uh, my wish list is Raptors to trade Pascal actually over OG. I would rather mm. keep OG. I think he matches Scotty's timeline in terms of fit. I think it's better. Um if you go to Detroit, you know, you're looking at Jaden Ivey, Bogdanovich and Monte Morris. I think that's a really good return with draft capital. If you go to Indiana, you're looking at Nemhard, Buddy Heald and Jarris Walker and some draft capital for a guy like oh. Pascal. Oh, that would be another I just want to see Jarris Walker get some burn. Like, yeah. when you look at, like, how bad the Indiana Pacers have been since, like, the whole in-season tournament, Jairus Walker, I think, is a guy that could really unlock that squad. But my, my bad, my bad. But keep going. No, no, I agree, though. I agree because Jairus Walker is not getting any burn because there's so many other forwards and bigs on that team that they are playing over him. So, I mean, give him some burn in Toronto. I think he, Jairus Walker would be a great fit there. And then a potential landing spot is Atlanta because you have AJ Griffin, AJ Griffin, you have DeAndre Hunter, and obviously Kobe, Kobe Bufkin. I was, I think would be a really nice return and some draft capital. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Onyeka Okongwu, but I think that's reaching a little too much, especially for a guy like Pascal who's going to free agency. So it'll be interesting to see. I think he gets traded before December thirty, 
because there's a caveat with his contract. So it'd be nice if there's something that happened before then. Um, otherwise, uh, I hope something happens uh, trade deadline and not just for the Raptors. I think I hope that I, I want to see some blockbusters this year. I think the Bulls are going to blow up and I think they ultimately trade one or two of their stars. Uh, Booch, Levine or DeRozan. I think another team is going to be looking to make some noise like Oklahoma City. Um, and they've got a lot of draft capital and a lot of young players. So I think we're going to see one or two blockbusters that trade by trade deadline. So between now and trade deadline. And um, yeah, I hope the Bulls implode and sell. So that aligns with it. And um, I'll give you a big one. I th- I hope the Pistons beat the Raptors on Saturday if the Pistons don't already win. Oh. Because I think Wasai Ujiri, after a loss to the Pistons, I don't think he can ag- no longer ignore the fact that this roster doesn't freaking work. Fuck. So, that's a good that's a good one. Yeah. I hope the Pistons beat the Raptors, genuinely, because I'm not going to watch any more garbage basketball where and we're we're literally wasting away Scotty's breakout season for some mid average season. So you gotta tweet we gotta tweet tweet this clip. Oh dude, hundred percent. I will I hope the Pistons beat the Raptors when they match up. Because Masai Ujiri cannot turn a blind eye to that loss anymore. Because, I mean, they they beat Washington today by 30 after they made a change in the starting lineup. I was going to say change the starting lineup. They did it today, and it worked, but it's also against the Wizards. So, you know, there's nothing to get excited about over Jordan Poole, who looks like, nah, I won't say it. He he might be trash, but I ain't going to lie. There's probably very few people in the world... That would like keep their life if they if they could trade with him. Think about it. Yeah, hundred percent. A ring before twenty five, a hundred plus million dollar contract, and you get to shoot the ball as many times as you want. Yeah, and you get to call other players on your team trash. Man, <laughs> <laughs> you going in the huddles and looking at Denny Avdia. Granted, Denny Avdia is pretty trash. He's, but he he's goes, a man, defender, like this is. But I yeah, yeah. Oh, brother, you should see one pass bus today. driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother, he is—he's filling up the gas. That's what he's doing. <laughs> so no, no, I don't know about no oh, Denny Avdia. These brothers thought he was Luka Doncic. They, oh, oh my yeah. god! Remember <laughs> Denny Avdia? Oh, oh my god! Oh, uh, that brother. I think that's a perfect way to to end off the year. There, we will see yeah. y'all in twenty twenty four. And we're excited, you know, keep the podcast going. I enjoy talking ball with my boys and yeah. Hope, hope y'all are stay healthy. Hope y'all are, uh, all have a prosperous 2024 and get into the year. Yeah, I agree, man. I think, uh, hopefully more in persons, Mm -hmm. the, the, the winter season, holiday seasons made it really busy, but I think that's a resolution for us as a podcast is to give you guys a podcast in person, some more live interactions. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, we'll get those going again and hopefully some big stuff, maybe get some guests on here or something. So hopefully I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Yes, sir. All right. With that, stay safe. Stay blessed. We'll see y'all soon. Best shots. Best shots. Uh. Uh.